Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. Have you ever tried to get help to take the plunge and start seeing a psychologist, a counsellor, a professional of some sort, only to find you end up more frustrated and lost than when you first began? On today's episode, I got to talk to a psychologist about just that. It's a frustration that many have faced, including myself, and it's something that we're not taught how to navigate, and the government can't accommodate for the needs of everyone. It can be overwhelming, and often it's just hard enough getting an appointment, yet finding the right person. If you're going down the psychologist path, how do you find the right person for your needs? If you spend a lot of time vetting them, you spend the money, you get a mental health care plan, and you start only to find that they're not the right fit, you have to start that process all over again, and many get worn down. It's why we need to talk about these topics. We're going to explore this and more and give a lot of really practical advice on what you can do if you want to get help and how you can try and avoid a lot of the pitfalls that many of us face. Dr. Aileen Allegato is the Director and Primary Clinician at Mindset Consulting. As a registered clinical psychologist, she brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to the practice, specialising in the treatment of mental health conditions, the administration of neuropsychological assessments, and the use of psychometric tools. Her passion for seeking out therapy models for work ensures that you receive tailored support at every turn. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Move Your Mind podcast. You can also find it on YouTube. All of the links are at nickbrax.com slash podcast. You can also purchase the Move Your Mind book at nickbrax.com slash book. And you can join the Move Your Mind community at moveyourmind.me. Eileen, so good to have this time to talk to you on the podcast. We've been going back and forth and found a time. So I really appreciate, I know you're busy, so I appreciate you making the time to come and chat to me. Thank you for inviting me on this podcast, Nick. I'm excited to be here today. Yeah, no, so excited to have you on. And, you know, as as happens a lot of the time, we started sort of talking before, just before we, you know, recorded about topics we're going to talk about and um, you know, the industry with, you know, psychologists and counsellors and a whole lot of things and, you know, interesting conversation came up. So it's, um, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you today about all of that because, um, you know, it's just, it's an interesting area area and an area that we're not educated enough about. So um, we'll definitely lead into that. But before we do that, can you just give, um, just for our listeners so they can learn more about you, a bit of a background on um, yourself and how you came to what you do now mm-hmm. so i have my name is aileen alligato and i hold a doctorate in clinical psychology and i run a private practice which is based in sydney australia that um, really focuses on provision of um, counseling mental health services but also do the corporate side so corporate wellness um, well-being seminars and retreats and of late you know that the, the second the the latter part is is what kind of um, I've been doing a lot more of, of work on uh, I also 
uh, am a media psychologist, so on occasion you would have seen or heard me um, on TV, uh, print and radio as a mental health advocate but also to promote and um, really get people interested in the field of psychology because I believe it's something that um, is really relevant to everyone and it's information that I feel uh, that when people have, it really gives them a lot of benefit and knowledge um, is power. Absolutely. I think it's one of, if not the most important areas, you know, for us to learn about because it relates to everything and we're just not educated enough about it and it's a lifelong thing. So it's it's such an important area. Um, also, I'm going to apologise to you because I think I said Eileen for your name. Aileen, I'm very sorry um, when, I, <laughs> when I introduced it. Um, but anyway, um, it is such an important area and, yeah, super impressive what you're doing. And um, I guess I may as well jump into, you know, one of the topics we were, were talking about um, before. You know, when it when it comes to this area, there it can be really confusing. You know, you've got so many different places to go and um, it's such a nuanced, complicated area. You've got counsellors, psychologists, psychiatrists, life coaches. How do we... How does someone navigate all of that and find, you know, the right resource and the, you know, the right way to go about it? Because it can be very confusing and it can be really difficult to know, you know, what is good and and what's and what's not. Um, how how do how can we navigate that? Well, it's a very meaty question and a really good question because it is something that a lot of people ask me about and within the community of counselling, psychology, we also get really confused about how to be able to distinguish it to um, to the public because often when you're looking for um, say support, like as you said, there's like the definitions of counsellors, psychologists, coaches, um, you know, psychotherapists, it just gets really confusing. And what it comes Mm. down to is really um, the titles, which are, some of them are protected. So what that means is that, you know, certain people can't use the title unless they have been admitted to uh, a board, for example, like, right, so APRA will be the regulatory body that would be managing um, allied health. So to be a psychologist and have the title of psychologist, you would not just have a psychology degree mm. and have an interest in psychology, but specifically you would have gone and undergone a, spe- um, a, a training course, a training program that then allows you to be credited and be accepted into uh, the board or APRA as a clinician. So that's the major difference between, um, say, even counsellors, they would also have um, a professional governing body that will regulate what the training and what the practice is, and they are connected to and is accountable to these professional bodies, which in a way, when you think about um, if something goes wrong, you know, who are keeping these clinicians accountable if they weren't practicing ethically or, you know, there's there's some issues in terms of, um, uh, like, you know, how you are relating to them, but that you can actually be rest assured that there is a, a platform. It's like a, a consistency that you know um, mm. that 
the quality of what you're going to get. Now, in saying that, obviously, there's been an increase in interest, in, especially since post-pandemic, in self-awareness, self-development, um, and that's evident by um, the podcasts that are now coming up, such as this, because there is a, a, you know, a hunger and a thirst for learning about mental health, how to, how to perform better, how to make um, our minds sharper. So, yeah, even self-help books, sales have gone up. For, for those things. It's a, it's a billion-dollar industry as well now, right? So, mm. um, and what that means is that there are people that are having an interest or are, are practicing what we would be saying is counselling, but not under the umbrella or a training program of a governing body. Yeah. So... That means that anybody at the moment in Australia anyway, you can call yourself a coach um, or you can call yourself a mindset expert, I suppose, um, and and not really have any specific um, accountability to uh, register or professional indemnity or anything like that. And so um, I think diversity is good, but this coach-clinician debate uh, is is very much still um, fresh. Uh, people are still figure, figuring it out. And I do think that, that there is a difference because with people calling themselves coaches, um, and, and psychologists can call themselves coaches as well, it kind of removes the stigma that I am seeing a psychologist because I've got mental mm. health issues. So as a society, we still have some way to go in being able to dispel the stigma with seeing a clinician, a trained clinician, and not thinking that we're going to a place like a loony bin or you're going to be like pulled out in a straitjacket. It's just kind of such old school, traditional way of thinking about psychology or psychiatry and so on. It just means that these people are highly trained in a specific way that you can be assured the same way that if you're going to a heart surgeon, you probably want to make sure that they're kind of registered as a heart surgeon with the medical board. Um, not to say that the ones that are not under these kind of professional governing bodies um, are less than efficient and, and there are people that are doing really well and create lots of benefits and help lots of people. Uh, the difference is that as a consumer, you would like to know that that's actually what you're getting yourself into. What can the coach do or not do? What are their limitations? And, uh, you know, be specific and, and in terms of your research, your due diligence in asking the right questions just so that you are getting what you're setting out to get. Absolutely. And I think it, a lot of it comes down to education, doesn't it? Because um, we just, how, how are people going to know um, when it comes to the coaching side, how are they going to know what is, you know, good, what's not good when it's just such a, a very, a varied sort of, it, it's just so many options out there. So when it comes to that side, I think if you're educated more, you can at least know what to look out for and make a more informed decision of, okay, am I looking for an actual professional, like a psychologist, a psychiatrist, or am I looking for a coach or maybe both, but you can then within that realm make a more informed decision. Whereas I think um, from what you were saying and from what I can see, it sounds like 
a lot of people would just see this sea of options and not really know how to decipher between them and and just pick whatever's probably the most shiny thing and looks the most appealing, which a lot of the time might just not be the help that you need or not be the, the right form of help. So it's a it's such a tricky thing. Yeah, and especially, you know, we, we want to encourage people to reach out and, and get help. And definitely, yep. you know, when it comes to um, having these conversations, mental health, uh, reaching out because you're struggling, I feel like definitely we want to reward that by having a positive experience, which is basically, you know, you going to invest and put the time and energy and the money and something that hopefully is going to get you what you need and knowing the point at which maybe a coach might be limited in what they can do because if you think about coaching it's much more um here and now it's about you know your performance it's about maybe you know kind of more about building self-confidence and you know bettering relationships acquiring some skills so it's very practical coaching right whereas therapy is a little bit more introspective um because it assumes that a lot of how we are in the world is a product of an imprinting of beliefs experiences both positive and negative that then comes out in behaviors and so um which, you know, when you think about it, you can kind of change how you are by learning skills. Let's say time management. Let's say you're um, you're you're trying to get someone to or you're trying to kind of wonder why am I late to things all the time? And one of the things a coach might be able to work with you is, let's say, boundary setting. Um, you know, you're trying to do too much, so prioritizing um, time management, right? These are skills that you would be able to acquire, learning how to say no, you know, because maybe that's kind of part of the reason why things um, get a bit much and then you're running late because you're trying to fit in too much. And it's getting beyond the skills that is also important. And one hopes that the work that you, you do is not just a Band-Aid. It can be a Band-Aid if that's where you're at, but there is a lot more deeper work um, with with what seemingly is a superficial problem. So that time management issue might actually be more to do with a fear of failure, right? Like, and, and so, or it might be something to do with, mm. um, you know, procrastination, which is, again, a motivational issue in a person that has a lot of psychological um concepts or reasons for why we procrastinate it's not because we're lazy right that which is again a very different conversation so depending on the background of the person you're seeing the lens at which you're going to get help and what type of help you will get can also change and so just keeping that in mind so that again you get the value for the time the energy um and the investment that you put in in terms of this self-development yeah that's such a good point and and that you know I, I was thinking about that recently where you know you could get a coach or you could be looking at you know trying to be more disciplined at something and you're struggling with the discipline or you're not sticking to it and it might not actually be because you're you don't know what to do it could be because 
on a psychological level, there's some, some underlying things that haven't been addressed. So it's, you know, trying to understand what what to work on. Um, but I guess the other part of it is um, how to – it can be kind of overwhelming and exhausting for people when – or not affordable as well, you know, if, if they want to work on multiple things, how do they choose what to do first, where to go to, and then even within the realm of one of – you know, I know for myself and – so many people that I've spoken to that have um, seen different psychologists over the years. Um, you know, my experience has been I saw a number of them and it got to a point where I was having to say, hey, I don't want to spend, you know, two sessions just telling you my backstory again and going through all these different theoretical things. I understand it pretty well. I want to work with you and f- how do I tangibly tell me what to do. And I found it incredibly frustrating that the majority of the time it wasn't, it was very, very hard to get that to happen. Um, so I don't know if that's like a common issue or that's just how the system is, but um, it's something that, you know, I know it's not just me that's experienced. I've spoken to so many people that that have that frustration and it can be exhausting because, you know, you're, you're making that step to go and get help. You're spending the money you're spending your time researching who you're going to go with and then it can take a long time to even get an appointment, um, which is another thing I wanted to talk to you about in a second. With um, I know with psychiatrists in Australia at the moment, it can be literally six to 12 months to get an appointment, which is kind of crazy. So that's in a second. But um, on this current topic, you know, is, this, is that something um, that you see as a common problem and how do we, how do we navigate that where you, you're finding – the right psychologist and one where you can actually get, you know, the tangible side of things happening. I think there's also a, you're absolutely right. And that frustration is shared across the board. And I feel that there is also individual differences between uh, clinicians and practitioners that is more to do with how they are as a person as well. You know, are they, um, you know, kind of more of a counselling, kind of listening type compassion. And again, being aware of what it is that you need. Do you need that that mother figure to kind mm. of really just validate you and that, you know, is that enough? Is that what you're looking for versus you're looking for someone to challenge you, keep you accountable, give you tools and, and get to uh, the heart of things, right, or to kind of like essentially call out what's going on and you know, problem solve and, and, and fix, so to speak, the the things that are kind of like really distressing for you right now. And I think that that is, you know, a, a really relevant um, issue to bring up on your first session, right? Like, you know, mm. what sort of work have you done on this? What do you know? What are you wanting to get out of it? So being clear on your goals, doing your due diligence and asking the, 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 the psychologist or clinician how they work, what you what you would like. And and kind of it's a little bit like dating, Nick, where you're mm. like having to find the right uh, rapport and energy that vibes with you, right, where it feels like you have a balance of this understanding from the other person and so they're not probably too dissimilar from you that you're having to explain everything and anything. Yeah, you you know, you don't have the time to do that, and you're paying money the minute you start 
attending the sessions. Uh, but also, like you said, maybe thinking about what do I want to get out of it? How can I be assertive in communicating my goals? And that you're well within your rights to be able to um, ask for those things if that's actually what's important. A good clinician will always ask you what your goals are from the get-go because they're there to serve you, right? So mm. they're aware mm. that this is about what you need. So even if they think that there is something under underneath that might be more important, essentially what you're saying in the here and now is much more relevant than what I think or know and be, and might be curious about, right? Because it's mm, actually mm. about giving you what you need first, making sure you're walking out with those things. And, and, and then if there are um, any interest in the deeper stuff, then that now comes organically and naturally anyway as the sessions progress. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that makes sense, you know. That, I think that's really good advice what you're saying there and just being more diligent in, in how you go about finding them and screening, you know, screening before you go and do it and because, you know, it, it otherwise you are wasting time and money and it can be a really frustrating thing and um, that's the other thing. Like so is it with the psychiatrists and that being so difficult to get into, is that just because we've had, I guess, since COVID, this overwhelm of more people seeking these kind of services um it seems crazy to me that it's that difficult to you know it's already very expensive but even people that want to spend the money often can't get to see a psychiatrist now yeah well i mean it's always been um difficult like even pre-covid there there was a waiting list for psychiatrist sessions because they're a specialist essentially right so there's only so many of them um, out there versus the demand. And so mm. post-COVID, when there has been much more of an influx and interest in terms of people's mental health, I feel like that just made the bottleneck, um, uh, you know, a lot, 10 times worse. Yeah, a yeah. lot worse. And so this is not new in terms of like psychiatrists have always um, been there has always been a shortage of it as compared to uh, the people that need it and often um, there is there isn't enough psychiatrists and it, it is also because it's a specialist type of training you know they don't kind of get out or graduate or get out into the system until you know kind of there's a backlog of even if we start thinking of how many psychiatrists are in training now, those people might not be available for us to be able to like um, to, to, to see for another mm. few years. So, or, you know, some of them also kind of um, might be, you know, doing other things like academia, going abroad. And so there's also kind of a lot of that natural um, attrition that happens in a profession, right? So... Unfortunately, there hasn't been a solution to like solve that problem, but um, it it helps to uh, have a good GP often, or have mm. um, good kind of um, people in your healthcare support system because they are likely to be well connected, and if they are connected, then they are likely to probably know someone and have relationships with someone, and so that can help. Um, speed up the process if there's a sense of urgency 
in you needing to be seen. Thank you so much for supporting Move Your Mind. We're expanding the offerings of the organization and we're tailoring everything we do to suit you guys and to try and answer to all of your needs and the questions that you send in. The book is available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com book. And we've just released the Move Your Mind community. We've currently got a men's community group, a women's community group, a general group. We're going to be loading up other groups. And you can find all of the links at moveyourmind.me. This group's been created based on the needs of what we've heard and learnt throughout running Move Your Mind. And we have live events. We've got courses. We've got huge amounts of value. The ability to share information, share ideas work in groups together to, to grow and share your learnings, to learn about different topics. You get email reminders. There's a whole lot of features in there. We're constantly updating it, and we're so excited to share it with you. You can find all of the information about it at moveyourmind.me. Thank you for sharing that because I think that's, um, well, it's helped me to understand it more, and I think that's really that's really great to have people. I know our listeners will take a lot out of everything you're saying here so far. I think this is all so relevant for so many people. So, yeah, really appreciate you sharing this. Um, you were talking b- before we started recording about the alternative work that you're doing. Uh, can you tell me more about that? Yeah, I mean, when you say alternative, it sounded like I was actually going to, <laughs> to take people in a cave or something, you know, like, no, it's not maybe, that maybe, alternative. Well, <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe, I, maybe I want to go in a cave, you know, who knows? <laughs> It's freeing your lungs out. That would be um, good, actually. That would be good. I, I wouldn't mind doing that. <laughs> highly, highly therapeutic. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the traditional way of, of therapy, as you know, is like this kind of, you know, there's a couch, you're sitting down, and so there was a lot of sitting down um, and one-on-one sessions that I found you know, very exciting, being able to hear people's stories, but at the same time quite um, taxing you know, as a, as a clinician, but also I found that there are some people that just can't sit for a whole hour um, or if they're depressed, you know, just energetically, it's just really hard to maintain concentration. And it's not, that format is not for everyone. So whilst yeah. it's, it's the traditional format, I um, thought the creative side of my brain thought, you know, what else can we do that would kind of be able to, make this not just from the talking therapy beneficial, but to kind of help people. Um. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Uh, like access these, these, this information, but maybe for people that cannot do it in that format. So I created, I initially created walk and talk sessions, um, which is kind of very apt given that you're, podcast is called move your mind so there you go I took, there you go there you go there you go so i moved um my clients from the therapy room to hyde park which is just across the road from my office so 
we'll, we would we would do the sessions either at a park bench so we could be sitting down or we could be kind of going for a walk while we're talking. And the benefits of that, not just being out in nature, obviously moving your body and for some people, you know, not having that intensity of sitting across the room from someone but being able to kind of look out to nature and walk side by side. It's a different type of energy and you get a different mm. um, side of people and how they narrate or tell you what's going on in their life. So that in itself I found really interesting in terms of like just the change in people and the change in how they would tell me something in a therapy room versus out when we're walking. And then even more so I, I, I push that um out further by thinking bigger in terms of the f- different formats that people can access um, therapy because a lot of my clients because I have a private practice in the city a lot of my clients are um, often working in the city so they're generally uh, professionals uh, they would be sitting down all day or be looking at a screen all day um, they go to the gym, they do they do all the right things, but possibly not kind of all collectively in one go. Mm. And so I thought about a retreat that, you know, would be a weekend getaway. So it kind of ticks that box of getting out of the city, decompressing, shutting out all the noise and having some downtime, but really incorporating more of the gritty side of what you will have in a therapy room, but in a very nice space you get to do the yoga, meditation, the exercise. So it's kind of all packaged up for people that might not have time to do the weekly therapy or might not need it, um, but just kind of need that little um, kind of a, a little, what's that, like getaway that is much more meaningful than just going away on holiday or going to kind of like a, just a, a retreat to exercise or to eat well so it's a little bit more holistic and really really focus on focuses on your well-being so that's also something that's slightly different from what's out in the market and um, that's something that I've started doing since COVID actually since 2020 we managed to get two retreats in and then started back up last year and we'll be having two this year so very excited to um yeah be sharing that with you all amazing i I love that and that's i'm surprised more people aren't aren't doing it because that's um such a such an incredible uh such an important thing to to have because everyone like you're saying everyone's different everyone learns differently and we uh not everyone wants to just sit there and you know it's um it does it fit does fit in with what this podcast a lot of it a lot of move your mind and the premise behind that, you know, to really be out there, to be more active, to be moving, to be trying to find different approaches. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, really, really important what you're doing there. Really cool. Yeah, and it just kind of like allows us to think about mental health or well-being in a different way than, you know, like if if you're kind of high-functioning or you're saying, oh, most people that come to me would even feel guilty because they would say, my problem is a first world problem, right? And so there's even this kind of um, guilt for wanting or asking for help for something mm. that they might feel isn't, you know, bad enough. Um, but really the, the the truth is it's like suffering is relative, right? So if this is something that 
is holding you back, if this is something that is not, um, you know, not sitting well with you, you know, like anything, why wouldn't you actually address it? And there is no judgment in terms of how big or how small problems are. They're problems. And, you know, again, people should be rewarded and, and encouraged and reinforced positively to continue doing that, right? Because that means that person is taking accountability. That person is doing something about their situation. Um, and so, yeah, there is no problem too big or too small when it comes to how we look after ourselves because we know that if you don't have your health and your well-being or your mental health, you know, everything kind of really falls apart, whether that be your career, whether that be your ambitions in terms of, um, you know, like goals in life, relationships, and so on. Absolutely. It's really at the top of that pyramid. Like if you get your mental health right, everything else flows from there. You're going to be more likely to exercise, eat well, do all these other things. But if you don't get it right, everything's going to fall by the wayside and have a, so it's going to really have a sort of ripple effect in the positive or negative, depending on how you approach it. And I think that point you said, I totally agree. And I think that's really, really important for people to hear. There's so many people that I hear from um, and that I just talk to in conversation that feel guilty or say, you know, even when they are struggling, well, you know, it doesn't matter. It's not, not important because I've already, I've, I've got too much privilege for it to be relevant, but that it's just not true because every single person is going through their own unique experience. You know, you've got like someone like James Packer, who is a, multi, a billionaire and he's depressed and has drug problems and has had all these huge issues. And you've got a lot of, you know, celebrities, famous people that are suffering. So that suffering is not any less relevant than someone who is struggling financially and, you know, has other problems. That's relevant as well. But it's all at the end of the day, you've got someone and they're suffering and you can't compare levels of suffering. It's unique to each individual. And the message is pretty simple and clear. It's if you're suffering, you should get help and you should not feel shame or embarrassment or like you're a burden for doing that. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a, a really important point, that one that you brought up. Yeah, and, and very good message as well for ev for everyone to kind of realise that this is not a, a box, you know, like you don't get categorised as like, coping not coping it's a continuum right so there are times when we're more resilient and then we're the ones that are helping people um and then there are times when we're the one asking for help and hopefully it's that's that's what we are um that, that's what we're about in terms of like creating human connections because we're all really like very much similar to each other right like no one not one person um you know, is is immune to to steps to suffering and to, to to difficulties, and we're not always going to suffer, right? We can mm. be the ones, like like I said, sometimes we're good, and then sometimes we're not. At the same time, as like other people will also be operating in that continuum. So I think the more that we talk about it, the more that people know about it, whether for ourselves or whether for our friends and family, we can identify and see, you know, the signs and the symptoms early on, then we can be there for each other. And yeah, we'll get through the other side together. Absolutely. And what are what are some of the things that you personally do in your, you know, your day to day 
life to look after your mental health and well-being? So I try to uh, start my day walking to work. I have uh, a privilege to uh, live near the city and every day my commute is a 20-minute walk through Hyde Park, which um, in and of itself is already kind of, I feel, you know, calm getting to work and, and, you know, being around nature is really good. Listening to a podcast while I'm doing that, so I'm also kind of, feeling quite inspired and nourished and, you know, I'm very careful about what I consume um, when it comes to information because I guess there's a lot of negative information out there. So I kind of monitor that. That's how I I look after my mental health in terms of uh, social media, who I follow, um, podcasts, books that I read, you know, I kind of make sure that that um, is in line with what I want my life to feel like, which is, you know, kind of, um, optimistic and joyful and um, happy and so enlightened and bright and so um, I try to kind of like start my day with that and um, I definitely take breaks you know I don't um, eat in front of my desk at all because my days can be long so if I don't go out at lunch then you know it'll be dark when I get out so again you know just the moving um, mm. and being able to kind of like kind of focus on the things that I can do when I do have the time um exercise obviously and the and the things that I consume as in eat as well and I am a massive extrovert so often you know whether it's like my friends that I'll call at the end of the day or you know I'd go out of the office and talk to people around the office um you know I get a lot of energy from human interaction so just saying hi to someone or doing kind of small kind things often fills up my cup. So those are just like small things that I tend to do on a daily basis to look after myself. And then there's the bigger ones, you know, like kind of making sure that I do go to therapy. So therapists have therapists. I can confirm that yes. um, because I like to walk the talk, you know, like if I'm like preaching about it, I feel like, hey, I should be doing that. Um, and just, and, and the other things in terms of making sure that I have breaks, holidays to look forward to, um, you know, my weekends are a balance of pleasurable activities, rest, um, achievement activities. You know, I, I try to do things that I'm passionate about so that I keep being engaged in the work that I do and yeah, socializing limiting my social media use because there's a lot of noise out there and and the news can be quite depressing sometimes so that's how I do it and what about you Nick how do you look after your mental health that's plenty there that you do um what do I do well I exercise is the biggest one for me so I come from a sporting background and I mean exercise I mean, it's just crazy. It's obviously we all know how much it helps, but I just can't believe how it's almost profound how much, you know, it makes you feel better. So exercise every morning. I gratitude journal every day, which I find so helpful because I can have a tendency to look at the negative or, you know, project to the future. So just trying to really ground myself by doing the journaling. Um, I try and meditate most days when I when I can, and I find that really helps. Uh, breathing exercises, and then just connecting with with close friends. Um, you know, having having 
real, open, honest conversations, having those kind of relationships and people in my life, I find to be critical. And I'm pretty lucky that I've got, you know, a very small, close circle where I, I have that on a daily basis. And I find that's just so helpful. Um, and then the final one would be creative pursuits. So I've, I've outside of the work I do in with, um, with my company, Move Your Mind, I've been pursuing acting for quite a long time. And um, I try and, you know, keep in class. I do improv classes. I'm um, in and out of auditioning, depending on how busy I am. But I find uh, when I stop doing that creative side of things, my mental health declines massively and I, and I get burnt out. And um, it's a weird thing because, like, I'll be so busy with the, the business sometimes that you put that to the side. Uh, but that's actually when I need it because even when you're so busy and you don't feel like you have the time, when you go and do something creative, it actually reinvigorates you and you almost feel ready and excited to go back to the other work. So um, it's it's a continuing process, but that's the part that I've just learned is, you know, so important. So, um, you know, that's a bit of what I do. I'm going to just echo that sentiment around creativity and, and how it is good for your mental health because yes. I um, recently um, wrote a post, a blog post about how the parts of your brain that is in charge of creativity are, um, you know, they live in a separate part to the fight or flight response. So what that means is like when we're kind of stressed, you know, we can't be creative and vice mm. versa. When you're being creative, you're kind of essentially in a state of flow and, you know, we know that that actually obviously helps in terms of our mental health, our well-being, our health and so on. So there is evidence to say, you know, really hard evidence, scientific evidence to say that, you know, creativity um, has a lot of benefits in terms of just keeping us um, mentally healthy and out of that fight or flight zone, which is, you know, often when where we are when we're stressed and just kind of in the busyness right we're living in the busyness and the doing and we just kind of get stuck in that sometimes it's a 10-year anniversary of underbracks and we've relaunched with the classic white pair we've also got new styles coming out super soon we're donating a dollar from every pair to mental health currently to one in five you can find all of this at www.underbracks.com oh i yeah i think it's so important and yeah, I love the way that you worded that because it sort of made it, you know, it's um, it makes it so clear because it's, it, it is so true. Like you literally can't, and that's why I fell in love with acting because I, my biggest problem in life and with mental health and why I've struggled is well, like a lot of people overthinking and, you know, can't turn my brain off and you just, you know, you, you're going a million miles an hour and it's exhausting and you're putting pressure on yourself and it makes you not be present. So the creative things, you know, if you're doing an acting scene, you have to be fully, you know, if you're not listening to the other actor, then you're not in the scene. You're not going to perform properly. So everything else, you know, fades away. And all, like you're saying, creative pursuits make you be present like that. And then you don't have the opportunity to, it's being mindful. It's like meditating. Mm. Um, and it's a real problem in the world we live in now where, you know, we live in such a capitalistic consumer-based world where we're just taught to grind and work harder and push harder and it's 24-7 and we're never not connected. And, you know, it's um, if you don't as an individual make that um, effort to, to try and incorporate a bit more of this stuff in your life, 
it's not going to happen. No one else is going to do it for you. And it's only getting more, um, you know, I, I think it's not sustainable for people. We're not meant to consume so much information. It, it's um, our brains aren't built to do it. So you've got to really make that decision for yourself. Otherwise, you'll be just caught up in this rat race of never, never ending sort of just, you know, the, looking for the next thing. Yeah, and I, I see that a lot in, in my work where people are at that place where they are successful, they're doing really well, but yet feel empty, right? Yeah. Like, or they kind of feel like they they have all this success, but they don't really feel the benefits of it because they couldn't absorb it because they're just relieved that that one is done, but there's just so much more to do still and it's never ending. And so that's something that I I feel like a shift in how we live life and our mindset and what's important to us. Actually, that's where I I think kind of changes a lot of that. Uh, I, yeah, exactly. And I, I wish that we were taught in society to value all the thing we were striving for rather than, you know, monetary success was to just be, you know, purposeful and engaged in what you're doing. And if that was the definition of being successful and that's what we were striving for it would be a very different world and if you do that you're still going to get results you know if you do it in the right way in the career that you're in but it means you're actually enjoying the process and you're engaged and you're not going to get as burnt out and um yeah it's and and the the amount of people i've met a lot of my friends as well that have um gone down had a major success in business and then they're unfulfilled they get there and then they you know they almost get more depressed because they realize hang on that I spent the last 20 years doing this thing that I told myself is going to make me happy if I just kill myself to get there and then you get there and you're like hang on why do I not feel any better and then you spiral even more because then you don't you actually don't know what to do at that point so it's um yeah it's a crazy world that we live in Hmm. Uh, so I finish every interview with five closing questions. I'm not going to throw you too far under the bus here. Um, but the first one is, what is the best childhood memory that comes to mind for you? I would say my third birthday party. And, yes, I remember it. Because, <laughs> and maybe the photos help. Um, yeah. I, I think my mum spent like a month's wages on this party and so if you can imagine like a wedding set up but you know with with clowns with um it, it, like it's like Coachella for three-year-olds and <laughs> this is <laughs> but this is many moons ago so um it was ahead of its time and everybody wanted to be at that party and I was really excited to be at that party. I remember all the rides. I remember um, the balloons wow. with my my face and my name on each balloon. Um, yeah, so, I yeah, that's a, that's a favourite childhood memory of mine and I've still got tonnes of photos as well too, which I'll share one day, Nick. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I can't remember anything at the age of three, but I think if I had a party like that, I probably would as well. So it's, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll have to see photos one day. Um, what do you think is currently the biggest burden on mental health in society? I feel like it's the stigma and how we still to this day um, 
perhaps not not accepted or, or accepted under certain conditions and that limits people from getting the help they need or having the tough conversations um, and perhaps maybe even being unhealthy themselves, which means that if you're unhealthy, think about it like as a domino. Everybody that you come into contact with will be subjected to that unhealthiness. Mm. So it's not just you and, yes, it's your choice, but then others around you um are being affected by something that you know essentially might not be good for them as absolutely well. and that gets passed on and passed on and passed on so this is kind of like become you know as you know there's there's um, an um, epidemic in mm. terms of mental yeah. health conditions that one in five i think it was the statistic um in of australians will suffer a mental health condition at some point in their life so it's huge because it means that there is a likelihood that you would know if not you know, yourself would have been through that. And so that's kind of important and it's something that we should be able to like speak a lot more um, transparently uh, and openly about. Absolutely. What's your personal definition of happiness? Freedom. So yeah. for me, yeah. to have freedom to choose, to have the freedom to... Uh, to live life how I would like to, um, which kind of sounds a little bit like a cliche, but it's actually quite hard to do these days. There's a lot of noise. We're trying to please so many people and do the right things and be accepted and be authentic to ourselves at the same time. So, you know, I guess that's kind of my working definition <laughs> of what happiness looks like is the freedom to be able to be myself um, so that it, I can have creative pursuits, I can, I can have um, interests, relationships free of fear and suffering. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think it's the most important thing. Uh, so two more here. What are you most afraid of? Uh, okay, my biggest fear, <laughs> believe it or not, maybe it's somewhat related to my answer beforehand, is going to prison. Okay. So, is that bizarre? I, I just, I'm fascinated about, like, I watch TV shows about prison and, and like, documentaries um, and about, you know, the corrections department and, and all of that. But it's this irrational fear that I have about going to prison but i feel like it's actually more of a sim symbolic fear of being uh isolated being limited in what i'm going to be able to do so that's like my biggest fear is not being able to do what i wanted to do or live my life um yeah freely well i, I would agree with that yeah i would share that fear for sure yeah which it's basically the opposite of freedom isn't it it's that sort of would be the the biggest fear being just yeah. trapped yeah, but how bizarre though. Like, you know, when people go, what have you been doing, Aileen, that you haven't told us? You know, like, why are you still going to prison? What, what, what are you hiding doing? here? What, what, yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so final one, what are you most proud of? I would say my my business and the work that I do. So not just the business as an entity, but the work that I do and the impact that I'm making to the people that hopefully like come through 
my doors, come to my retreats, go to the seminars, um, because every bit of that then changes them, hopefully. And, you know, to, to, to my credit, they have been some positive feedback about, you know, the, the, the things that that has, that that impact, how it impacts people. Um, and then in turn, you know, those people then influence other people in a good way. So, um, again, related to what I said before about, like, I think if we all looked after our mental health, if we all did what we can to be healthy, then the, the more that society as a whole, I feel, improves greatly from that, not just like yourself, but your family, your friends, your community and so on. Absolutely. Yeah, it has a ripple effect. It's so true. So, yeah, thank you so much for coming and sharing all of this and for the work that you're doing and you're changing people's lives. And for our for our listeners, uh, where can they go if they want to learn more about you and check out your work? They can check out my work on my website. It's mindsetpsychology.com.au. Perfect. Okay. Well, that will go in the show notes. So anyone listening, make sure to check out the website. And Aileen, thank you so much for making the time. I've learned a lot today. I'm sure our listeners will and love, love what you're doing and love these conversations. So really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Nick. Hope to see you again soon. For sure. Thank you. Thanks to Dr. Aileen Allegato for joining me today for Move Your Mind. You can find the video interview on YouTube by going to nickbrax.com slash podcast. And if you would like to learn more, you can purchase the Move Your Mind book at nickbrax.com slash book, or you can join the Move Your Mind community at moveyourmind.me. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.